Welcome to the queue. My name is Nurse Bug. I'm your friendly neighborhood nurse surveyor. Hey y'all, welcome to the queue. I'm Amanda, one of your DONs from the sticks. And hi, I'm Tina Webster. I'm so glad you joined us. For this week's part two of three, I actually found uh, four different articles that I thought were kind of interesting on the LGBTQ population and nursing homes in general. So the first one I found, it was a survey by the National Resource Center LGBTQ plus aging in LTC facilities. And it, it was called Stories from the Field. And it was from 2010. And they talked about how LGBTQ elders, that the majority of them believe that staff discriminate based on orientation and more than half felt that staff would abuse, neglect, or isolate them. And then it started throwing out percentages. It talked about how 11% of those surveyed said that staff refused to accept their medical POA from their partner. 9% of those surveyed said that staff refused to refer to the resident by the preferred name or pronoun. And it gave kind of a little story about how a patient whose given name was Hazel had gone by Rusty her entire adult life. And she was in her 80s. And staff insisted on calling her Hazel. Mentally, she was very astute, um, but it was rare that resident and staff interacted and conversed with her. She felt excluded, isolated often, and transferred to several different facilities, which I thought was super sad. And then they talked about the 6% of those surveyed said staff refused to provide basic services and care for them, you know, like taking them to the restroom or bathing them based on their anatomy and that sort of things. But they talked about how the part of a much larger national conversation about fair treatment, dignity, respect for, you know, orientation, gender identity, and compassionate care for everyone included three different things. And that was nursing home operators need to raise staff awareness, conduct self-assessments of culture and quality of care, and then policymakers need to support more funding for research, training, and cultural competency programs for agencies receiving local funds. And then the third one was that nursing home residents are protected by the NHRA, or the Nursing Home Reform Act. And this applies to facilities accepting uh, reimbursements from Medicare, Medicaid. And this requires nursing homes to provide services, activities to maintain and attain highest practicable physical, mental, psychosocial well-being of a resident. They have the right to be treated with dignity and respect, free from physical, mental abuse, involuntary seclusion, and make personal decisions. This one, I know it was old, but all of that is still super valid, ladies, right? That really sends it home. It's really heart-wrenching to know that Rusty's part of her adult life or the later years in her life Rusty struggled with this and continued to have that feeling of being excluded and isolated. I don't think any of us getting to this industry to have any type of resident or patient feel that way. But I think a lot of this centers around us not having that education that we need. And it's definitely a topic that really needs to be addressed. I mean, we've seen all of the MDS changes that took effect last year in 2023, MDS 3.0 assessment, and CMS advocating for more gender neutral roles. This is something that our industry is going to have to adapt 
too, but I think there's still a lot of needs there as far as education goes. I said education is always key to the success of anyone's acceptance into their position or in their position when they go to work. It's sad to think that generations are going by and you see such a difference. The different generations are accustomed to being treated with dignity and respect in our nursing home industry. That is key. And I think that more and more education should be top priority for facilities. I think they would have not only less deficiencies uh, related to possible abuse or lack of dignity, they'll be able to provide a better quality of life for the residents. And that's, to me, that's the most important thing. I 100% agree. Again, it's very heart-wrenching to see 6% of those surveyed said staff refused to provide basic services and care. Like I said, we all know that abuse is often the fact, the majority of the abuse is unintentional, correct? It, we did, That person wasn't intending to cause that stress. Unfortunately, there are some that willful in its intent. But it sounds like to me, like that 6% insecurity and not having, again, that education to provide those services that we provide to everybody else. Everybody should be treated the same regardless of any of yeah. this. I think that's the theme. And I found two articles actually from 2021 that kind of mm-hmm. echoed that. They talked about health inequities and nursing interventions to reduce them. And they identified specific healthcare needs based on that population. One of them, like nursing staff, to find out and describe experiences, perceptions of barriers in healthcare, provide culturally congruent care fitting of a person's lifestyle, which includes values, beliefs, and meaning systems. And of course, you want to conduct mental health screenings on all residents because, you know, these, these ones are prone to a history of abuse and experiences that have shaped them. We want to promote gender affirming and culturally sensitive healthcare environments for them. We want to use appropriate pronouns, gender affirming language, you know, on office forms, demonstrate compassionate listening, participate in education about this, just like you said, Tina. It's all about mm-hmm. education. We're going to provide LGBTQ health literacy for healthcare providers. The older healthcare providers, they're not really hip on what's going on nowadays. So it might be beneficial to educate them as well. And then include support staff in education programs to promote that inclusive environment. And nurses, it says that nurses lead these efforts to educate staff in the fundamentals of respectful care to all patients. I think that's a beautifully placed statement. Absolutely. I do too. We are number one patient advocates, regardless of what gender you go by your race, your nationality, uh, anything, we were always taught that everybody is an individual and a human. So there you go. The second article that I found was called Protecting LGBTQ in Nursing Homes. And it gave examples of elderly abuse that they, that they have to go through, including, you know, physical violence, threats, harassment, housing discrimination. And as a result, they usually end up, some of them, not, I don't want to say all, hiding their gender or identity or orientation, 
because they're ashamed, you know, those people treating them bad and they don't want to speak up. There are some that are bold that'll be like, no, y'all aren't going to treat me this way, which is good. But a lot of them, you know, they kind of sink into themselves and, and we don't want them to do that. And it also said that 90% had no children and relied on informal or non-traditional support system systems, which, you know, friends instead of, you know, blood family, which friends can be just as awesome as blood family. So I don't discount that at all. It leads to increased social isolation and withdrawal and it increases with age and it makes them less likely to be like for someone to come to their defense and less likely for them to report because they feel like they can't. One of the other abuses that they found in nursing homes that was systemic with this, they talked about these facilities were denying visits without prior staff approval for these residents, refusal to allow partners to live together or allow non-biological families to take part in medical decision-making. More hateful forms included like phobic remarks from staff or other people, increased hostility, physical attacks from staff and other residents, and 82% of these LGBTQ seniors experience this kind of abuse once in their life, at least, if not more. Isn't that That's sad? That is it's very sad. Very sad, it but is. you know what? Our staff, the people that are in the facilities caring for the residents, I really believe that there is not malice in most of the cases there is just that lack of understanding. They don't know how to act. They don't know what to say. I think, again, back to education, back to fostering a very positive culture in a facility where there's no repercussions. People aren't afraid to speak up for things that they need, things that they, they want to have to make things better for the residents. And also, it should be a good culture for the residents to not be afraid to speak up when they go to their resident council meetings. They should feel like there's not going to be retaliation. It's not an easy task to take on changing a culture in a building, a facility, but it is needed in many facilities. And it definitely is doable, but it does take dedication of the staff, dedication of the leadership to change that culture. The last article that I read kind of summed it up for me, and it's from 2023, actually. It was called Understanding Transgender People, Gender Identity, and Gender Expression. And it said, finding qualified professionals experienced in providing affirmative care was an important first step. And then connecting them with peer support groups was also really helpful to keep them engaged in their care and not fearful of speaking up. Be aware of differing attitudes. Use appropriate gender identities. In doubt, ask advocate for rights, familiarize with local, state, and provincial laws protecting against discrimination. And I thought that wraps it up nicely because, like you said, we treat everyone the same, no matter what. We all bleed blood. It's all the same. Yeah. Love them all the same. Care for them all the same. Absolutely. With 50 years of experience and experts across all areas of nursing home care, QSource genuinely understands the needs of your facility. We've always been there alongside you, and we've walked in your shoes. No matter the situation, QSource is prepared to tackle your challenges, solve your issues, and answer your questions. Let QSource encourage, educate, and empower you. Contact us at any time at QSource.org. We will always be here to help. And now back to the podcast. Educating yourself also opens up the door for you to learn and to accept, accept things 
we're here to provide a service regardless of whatever you're thinking in your head as far as you agree you disagree etc you took that on that oath right we took that oath on that we would provide care to anyone and everyone again just going back to education educating yourself on these topics will only further open the conversation that is already nationally known and we need to we need to do this because it's just going to change more and we can't be behind we cannot be a disservice to our LGBT plus communities. We can't be. They need help just as much as someone else does, right? And it'd be wonderful at a point in time if healthcare could catch up and we could see people truly for who they are and love them regardless. Like you just said, Tina, you know, you treat somebody just the same as you want to be treated. And I definitely don't want to be, you know, I definitely don't want to feel like I'm isolated in any form or fashion or that someone could not provide the basic care that I needed to succeed in my day. This is a great topic, Lindsay. This was a really great topic. And I think there's more to this conversation than I think we just kind of touched over the iceberg. Like, Everything below the water is still there. Kudos for Nurse Bug for taking this on. This is a conversation that so much I'm needed. This is talking about how Q how Source can actually help with this. We talked about in the first part how you U.S. demographic changes impact the future of LTC care. So, with that growing LTC population, LGBTQT is going to be part of that. Residents want appropriate conversation, visits, rooming. We just talked about that. Having those resident care plans and interventions is key for them as well. And then, of course, we I think we've kind of put out there that education is like the main thing. We want everyone to know that QSource can help with that. We can help utilize the demographics based on your your facility. And if you do have a population of LGBTQ, wonderful. We can help with that. You can help with anything, activities, mm-hmm. care planning, education programs, QAPI, anything. We have people on our team that can help, can assist yes. your MDS team with creating those individualized care plans um, yeah. that are very specific and can help the staff and provide quality care, care. Uh, to the residents. And in turn, as you're providing that quality of care, you're bringing it right back to focus of quality of life. We're taking the negatives and turning them into positives. Every gender, every demographic in long-term care facilities can receive the care that they need. And we're not branching people into silos, right? Because that's definitely not what we want to do. Just because someone, their background is different, we need to ensure that our culture is protecting their individuality. I love that. I love this. Guys, Hippocrates, the ancient Greek physician, said that wherever the art of medicine is loved, there is also a love of humanity. And I 
Oh my gosh. When I read that, I was like, yeah, yep. That's why I'm a nurse right there. Yeah. Because yeah, people, all people. That's right. That's right. That's I right. mean, I know that. And then again, you know, while we come in and we provide this education to your facilities and those key personnel, as they become more comfortable with it, there again, the dialogue opens up so you can really achieve that individuality for these residents. And it can overflow into other residents. It's not just a subset. It's everybody, right? That's what we want. Like you said, Tina, quality of care and then quality of life. Period. Absolutely. Absolutely. This has been a wonderful conversation, ladies. I love it. I can't wait to extrapolate into next week. And actually, next week in part three of our series, we Woo! are going to special <laughs> to discuss changing demographics in nursing home and how it has impacted resident population, safety, behaviors, regs, et cetera, from an inside look from someone who knows. Get excited. Is it someone we know? I mean, like, well. you've just totally <laughs> left us hanging there. It's someone I know, and I know her very oh. well. So I'm super I, I think y'all like her. Y'all like her. <laughs> okay. Very good. All All right. Right. We're excited. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this QSource podcast. If you ever find yourself needing QSource to assist your facility, please reach out to us at qsource.org so our long-term care experts can help you through the process. If you want to hear more podcasts like this, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your favorite audio. Just search for QSource and you will find us. Thank you and have an amazing day.